Thank you, guys. Be seated in Christ. Oh, I brought all my cheerleaders with me this morning, eh? <laughs> awesome. Hopefully, um, I don't need my glasses. I try and do big print now as you get older. Something I've noticed as you get older, and the older ones will go, oh, yes, I can relate. I've started talking to myself. And the other day there, I was at the supermarket. I'd come outside. I'd forgotten that I had a child with me, and my younger daughter was way behind. I'm talking away to myself. And she goes, Mom, you're embarrassing. You're talking to yourself. And I said, don't interrupt. I'm self-employed, and I'm having a staff meeting. So that's my answer now, and you can have that one. I'm self-employed, and I'm having a staff meeting. So there we are, eh? So we have a series that I am wrapping up today called The Blessed Life. Wow. And it's to do around finances and money and the generous life which God has given me. So, you know, you might think, oh, goodness, money, talking about money. But you know what? We as a church have never ever in 13 years of going ever talked about this topic at all. And it's really important. It says if you want to um, get anything, get understanding. So that's why we bring these topics, because it's important that you live the blessed life. So that's what I'm wrapping up. We've had Ian share an amazing word last week. We had Paul share one before that. Real good. So let's pray. Father, we just thank you that you are with us. Holy Spirit, I want to thank you for your anointing that when sometimes I feel like I can't, you can. You are the one that empowers me, and I just want to thank you, Holy Spirit, because without you, we can do nothing. We need you every day of our lives, every minute of our lives, and we just thank you for this word, that it will be a blessing to the hearers. In Jesus' name, amen. So, God has a dream. I know you all have dreams, but I want to tell you God has a dream. Now, God doesn't need anything because he coexists of himself. And even though that God doesn't need anything, he wants something, which is interesting. God wanted something so much that he was willing to die for it and send Jesus. And what he wanted was a family. You are God's dream here this morning. And he wanted a family that John 3, 16, 3 verse 16 says, because he loved us, for God so loved that he gave. So that you might come into the family of God and inherit the blessed life. Because I tell you what, if you haven't got Jesus in your life, you're not living. I just think the, the life of Jesus is so exciting. It gives me something to get out of bed in the morning with. And I want to share from Mark 14 this morning, verse 3. And I want to share a lot more, but I'm going to read from there. And this is what it says, and it's coming up on the screen. And being in Bethany at the house of Simon the leper. Good place to be. As he sat at the table, a woman came having an alabaster flask of very costly oil of spikenard. 
Then she broke the flask and poured it on his head. But there were some who were so indignant among themselves and said, why was this fragrant oil wasted? Wow. For it might have been sold for more than 300 denarii and given to the poor. And they criticized her sharply. But Jesus said, leave her alone. Ooh, I like that. Leave that woman alone. Need more of that. For you, sorry, that's just me. She has done a good work for me, for you have the poor with you always, and whenever you wish, you may do them good. But me, you do not have always. She has done what she could. She has come beforehand to anoint my body for burial. Assuredly, I say to you, wherever this gospel, what's the gospel about? Giving. Jesus. Wherever this gospel is preached in the whole world, what this woman has done will also be told as a memory or memorial to her. Verse 10, then Judas Iscariot, one of the twelve, that's one of the twelve disciples, went to the chief priests to betray Jesus to them. And when they heard it, they were glad and promised to give him money. So he sought how he might conveniently betray him. So the story opens up that Jesus is in Bethany. Now, Bethany means figs or dates, but it actually has another place, meaning, sorry. And the meaning actually means misery. Isn't it interesting that Jesus will go to any length and that he's in the house of someone that was very contagious with leprosy? What a place to find Jesus. That lets me know that God will go any lengths for his family. How willing and how far are you prepared to go for your family? He, this, this Simon the leper was so contagious, but I'm here to tell you that Jesus had something that was far more contagious than leprosy. And it was his love and generosity. Everything that he gave was about the blessed life. And so this woman here that we see, she has this um, ointment or perfume that is worth so much money. It tells us it was costly. Now this ointment was the equivalent of one year's wages. So just in New Zealand terms, let's say, I don't know, let's say $60,000. That's a lot of money. That was one year's wages. She came with this and she poured it on Jesus. Now, the story isn't a, really about the perfume. It's about much more than that because, you see, in this flask that she had to anoint Jesus, this was her dream. This was her savings. This could have been her future-proofing, her dowry, this could have been her education for her kids. This could have been her beautiful little white house with a white picket fence. I had a little white house with a white picket fence when I was married, and I loved my little white house with a white picket fence because that's where we had our first family, and that's where there was a lot of love and a lot of blessing and a lot of generosity. But one day she met Jesus. And she decided that Jesus was more important than her dream. 
And she laid down her dreams so that God could have his dream of a family. And that's what the gospel is about. You know, Matthew 10 and verse 39 says, if you cling to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for me, Jesus says, you will find it. If you're willing to lay down your dreams and things that you have and just surrender to Jesus, he will take it up and give you such an amazing, blessed life that you would be, wow, I am so happy that I was willing to give everything for Jesus because he's so worth it. And when he runs with it, it will be far better than you could ever imagine. When God's dream becomes more important, when we are willing to give our dreams for him, he will just do so much more with it. Isn't it wonderful? And then the story goes on to talk about Judas. This woman's dream was her love for Jesus in the end. But Judas's dream was his love for money. And the story goes on and tells us about Judas. This extravagant giving was the turning point in Judas's life that he was, I'm going to betray Jesus. He couldn't understand this amount of giving because his love had become money. And John 12 and 6 tells us that he loved, Judas was a thief as he used to keep the money bag and help himself to what was put in it. Now you're like, well, Jesus knows everything. I can never understand sometimes. If Jesus knows everything, why did he give a thief the money bag for the whole 12? He could have picked another 11 of his disciples, but he went straight to Judas and said, here, Judas, you keep the money bag for us. Because Jesus sometimes wants to see where our heart is. Where's your heart this morning? Are you willing to make sacrifices for Jesus? Are you willing to give all for Jesus? But Judas had a dream and a love for money. Do you know, God has no problem with us having money. It's where the money has us. That's the key. So Jesus talks in the Gospels about mammon. And I'm going to mention about this because someone was asking, what is mammon? And it's to do with money. So the word mammon means riches or confidence placed in riches. It's when we choose that over God. Because Jesus said, you cannot serve two masters. You can't serve God and serve money. It's what has a hold of you. What is the first thing or first place in your life? So mammon, when Jesus was talking about this in the Gospels, they would have understood totally what he meant because it's actually more than just that. It's got a bigger meaning. And it was a Syrian god called Mammon, and it was the Syrian god of riches. And the god came from Babylon, and Babylon came from the Tower of Babel, or Babel. Now, I don't know if you remember in the Old Testament, the Tower of Babel, what is it, the whole thing about the Tower of Babel was that man decided they were going to build their own way to heaven. It was about 
what they could do, their energy, their strength, their resources. So the whole system was based around what they could do. So my mum seeks to get you to spend your whole week and ultimately your whole life pursuing money. That is what Mammon is about. It takes over your life so that Jesus doesn't have the preeminence. And even in Revelation, right at the end, Babylon comes in again. It was this whole system geared around money. And in Revelation, which is like the financial world at the moment is in crisis. And that's what Babylon is. It's talking in Revelation 18. It's wrapping up at the end of the age. And it says that, the merchants there are weeping because Babylon has just fallen. And they're not weeping for people. They're not weeping because they love their family. They're weeping because they can no longer buy and sell and trade. In other words, they can't make money. They'd put their trust in money rather than God. And I saw this kind of funny thing um, I read the other day, and it's, it's about a man. He comes to Peter Marshall, the chaplain of the United States Senate in the 1940s, and he was concerned about tithing and giving. And he said to Dr. Marshall, I have a problem. I've been giving or tithing for some time, and it wasn't too bad when I started out working. I was making 20000 a year, and I could afford to give 2000 but you see, I'm now making 500000 a year, and there is just no way I can afford a tithe of 50000 So Dr. Marshall reflected on this wealthy man's dilemma, and he asked if he could pray with him. So he put his hand on his shoulder, and the man said, yes, pray for me. So I said, dear Lord, this man has a problem. I pray that you help him. Lord, I pray that you reduce his salary back to the place where he can afford to tithe. Because what he failed to understand was that it's God that was blessing him. And if God owns everything, wow, why can't we give to God? Because it's such a blessed life. The key and the master key to unlocking every door is giving, generosity. It's so amazing. And you know the happiest people, even if they're not Christians, guess who the happiest people in the world are? People who give and who are generous. They feel so much more fulfilled. It's wonderful. God loves a cheerful giver, not a cheerful getter. The word says God loves a cheerful giver. Wow. Proverbs 11 says this, a generous person will prosper. Wow. I want to be a generous person. So Genesis 15 verse 1 says this, Who is it that is our provision? After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abraham in a vision saying, Do not be afraid, Abram. Stop worrying about what the, is happening in the world at the moment. Stop worrying about the financial crisis because I've got some good news for you, which is the blessed life. And this is what it says. This is God speaking to Abram. I am your shield, your exceeding great reward. Do you know what that word reward means? Remuneration. God is your provider. Trust him. Not the economy's worlds, whether the dollar's going down. Guess what? 
God's economy runs on miracles. And I want to tell you some of my history, his story, through my father. So at the age of 24, my father, God spoke to him and said, I want you to go out and be a missionary in Malaysia, but I want you to evangelize and preach the gospel, the good news of Jesus. And he said something else. He said, I don't want you to get a weekly or monthly income from a trust or a business or an organization and even a church. He says, I just want you to trust me because I am your reward. So my dad went with my mum and my, they, I had one sister then and they went and they went to be a missionary in uh, Malaysia. And you know what? The thing about God's kingdom is that when you keep giving and you keep being generosity, generous, it doesn't necessarily make sense because it's the exact opposite to the world. You'd think that if you gave, you'd have less. But in God's kingdom, it just doesn't do that. It's miraculous. And I can tell you that over the 79 years of my father's life, he passed away in 2019. He never took a wage from a business. He never took a wage from a trust. God just provided. He was his reward. I never saw him begging. I never saw him have to go to wins. I was brought up in an environment of miracles and faith. And even sometimes at the 11th hour, they'd be tested and the rent would come in, especially living in um, Malaysia as missionaries there. That was pretty poor country in those days. And they never really had much, but they had everything. They had amazing provision over there. And um, my mum um, got pregnant over there, and she was having a baby. And, when, and, and so they'd got this little one push chair. And when she went into labor, seemingly um, it was a Hindu doctor. And in, in that religion over there, they believe it's bad luck to tell you that you're having two. She was having twins. She didn't know it. And so um, she had these she had the babies, she had twins, pretty much of a shock it was. And my dad comes in and she says, oh, I've got something to tell you. And he, he went, what's that? And she says, uh, we've got two babies. And he went, yeah, you're right. Yeah, funny, ha ha. And then he looked in the cot and he saw two babies there. And his face went white. And you know, it was like, but God provided they had no shops near them, but somebody had this two little seater pushchair that you could hear them when they were coming. It was so squeaky. But in every area of their lives, God provided. The blessings were so amazing, and it was just wonderful. And then they came back to live in Scotland, and I was born in Scotland. Sorry, I was born in England, actually, but I went to live in Scotland when I was one, and I am from Scottish... Um, genealogy. So it was just amazing there because me growing up in that environment, I don't, my sister, when she, after my dad passed, she had to wrap up all the, the finances and sort the accounts out, went to the accountant. And she said, when you look back over the years of the history of, of God's provision, she said, I have no clue how they did it and how God just kept 
blessing them and blessing them and blessing them all the, all the years of their life. It was so amazing. And the testimonies and the stories and the provision, we always got birthdays. We always had Christmas. God provided in every area. And the other thing that we always seemed to run around in was a nice car. I don't know how, how it happened, but God provided us this car to run around in. That it was just amazing. It was so good. And um, I remember at five-year-old, I was the youngest of four girls, at five years old in the early 1970s, no family our size, we were a family of six, ever went abroad. You just didn't do it in those days. Not to America anyway, from Scotland. Someone paid for us all to go to America for free. Six kids, I mean four kids and two adults. It was just amazing in the cost. And that is what God is. He's an extravagant God who provides. And I remember story and miracle and blessings. I remember going to this big air show in um, Presswick, it's called. It was the Presswick Air Show in Scotland. It's the biggest air show in the whole of probably Britain, actually, one of them. And I went there and... Um, we have what's called the red arrows. I don't know if you know these little red arrows. These are amazing. Like We call them daredevils, but we probably shouldn't say daredevils. Dare, whatever you want to call them. But <laughs> And they had this smoke stuff, and they'd come at each other in these planes, then zoom around away. It was just amazing. And I remember standing there saying to mum, I'd love to meet them, thinking oh, it probably wouldn't happen, but I'd love to meet them. And so as we were walking around in this air show, there was um, this um, big, big, massive group of people. And as I went out with my mum, my mum asked somebody, oh, what's going on here? And they said, oh, we've been waiting here for an hour. There's a competition. It's to go on the Concorde. Now, this was the buzz, because I don't know, some of you younger ones will not know what the supersonic jet was like. It was amazing. Broke this. I mean, I don't even understand it, but it just went so fast that your ears nearly fell off, I think. But it was amazing. Anyway, so they were waiting for this competition to go on a Concorde. And, and they said, and it's closing in five minutes. And my mum went, put your name in. And I went, really? She went, put your name in. So I put my name forward to, to go on this competition. And there was thousands, thousands and thousands. And they say, right, we're going to call the names out. Guess whose name they called out? Mine. And so the air stewards came up and they took me away in this van and we drove to the Concorde and we started walking up the ramp. And as I was walking up the ramp, I saw these guys, hang on! And they went, we want to come too! And it was the Red Arrows guys. And I actually got my photo with them and I'm like, whoa! It was just, God goes over and above. He is so good. And I remember visiting my father in Scotland and the year before he passed, I said to him, if you look back over your life, Dad, and the, you know, with everything that you've been through and, and how God has provided and it's just been, been great, I said, would you do anything different? And he said, no, I would do it all over again for Jesus. It was just so amazing. And you know what? That's the legacy. We were talking last month on legacy. Our parents left us a great legacy, not only of generosity, but faith and miracles. 
And we have pathways after the service. If you haven't done it, on week three, we have Discover Purpose, and it is about your giftings. When I did my giftings a few weeks ago, guess what my top two were? Faith and miracles. That is what was handed down. God is so good. And you might say, oh, well, you know, Jesus lived a poor life on earth. And he didn't have much. Shouldn't we live like that? Well, what does the Word of God say? Second Corinthians 8 verse 9. This is what it says. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Wow, God is so gracious to us, isn't he? That though he was rich, yet for your sakes, because of his dream for you, to be in his family, this is what he says. He became poor so that you might be poor? No, that you through his poverty might become rich. Wow, your heavenly father always intended for you to live a blessed life. Jesus had all of heaven at his disposal, but he left it to create a way that you could experience blessing in all areas of life. You are blessed and there is a significant purpose to your life. You are God's dream. You were born to be in a family that's so amazing and to bear fruit and to be generous, to live generous. Sowing seeds for future generations. And I want to close so the band up. I'm finished now, guys. So. I've actually kept within my time. I'm good. Better than my husband at that, ain't I? <laughs> I want to leave you with this. Today's responses determine tomorrow's outcomes. How you respond today will determine your tomorrow.